Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. I want to kick off this morning. Let me pray first, actually. That's good. It's good to pray first. (laughs) Oh, Father God, Jesus, I thank You, Lord, uh, for Your peace. Father, I thank You for um, just the peace in this room. I thank You that You are the God of peace, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, um, that You can settle our hearts now, that we can sit in Your presence, Father, leave all the distractions behind, God, and um, really settle in. And, And Father, this is Your Word. And Jesus, I've been stewarding this for a few weeks now, Father, and I pray, Lord, Um, that as I deliver this, Father, as I um, share what You have been sharing with me, great King, I pray that every heart um, will take something away from it, Father. Thank You that You you speak to us individually, Lord. I thank You that You will speak individually to every person in this room and that they can, and I pray, Lord, that they will take one thing away or a few things, Jesus. So we thank You, Lord, that You are the God of peace. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I do want to kick off uh, this morning with a little video clip. So um, just check this out. relate to that guy. <laughs> you don't have to put your hand up. You do not have to put, oh, someone's brave. They put their hand up. You do not have to put your hand up. Oh, <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite a funny cliff, isn't it? Um, the pace that that guy was moving from one activity uh, to another. You know, um, my favourite one was the fast mowing and then the whippersnipping. Like, that's really cool. <laughs> but, you know, for some of us, For some of us, we can look like this guy, can't we? Maybe not as extreme. That was like full throttle. That was full throttle extreme. Um, But maybe, maybe not so much. But some of us, some of us, including me, are prone to moving at a pace like that. We're in a hurry all the time. John Mark Comer, uh, he's a pastor in the States and he wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Great title, hey, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a great read, a convicting read, a challenging read. And in his book, he shares that cardiologists Maya Friedman and Ray Rosamond came up with the term hurry sickness after noticing that many of their 
patients suffered from a harrowing sense of time urgency. And they defined hurry sickness as a continuous struggle and unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or or participate in more and more events in less and less time. And they go on to add people with hurry sickness, think fast, talk fast, act fast. They multitask and rush against the clock, feeling pressured to get things done, getting flustered by any sign of a problem. Friedman didn't just come up with this hurry sickness like a decade ago. Friedman um, penned this, he wrote about hurry sickness in the 1950s. That was 70 years ago. And the world has gotten a whole lot faster in 70 years. We, we move fast, don't we? We move fast. We rush. I rush. We rush. Some of us drive fast. I'm not going to say names. Some of us drive fast, eat fast talk fast, we can be impatient when the line up to the pay the groceries is way too long and we find, any, we find any gap on the highway and overtake just to reach the destination faster. We expect quick responses to our texts, our emails and our phone calls. Fast food places are popping up everywhere and we, you know, you can just watch when you get to the window, just watch how fast they're making your food. And then when was the last time you looked through that window and you saw their pace and you were frustrated because the slower moving guy was working on your order and it's just taking a few minutes longer. Everything, everything has a sense of urgency. Our society moves fast because fast is seen to be good and and bad is seen to be slow. A boring movie, we call it slow. If someone has an eye, a low IQ, we hear them labelled slow. If the restaurant service is bad, it's usually because they're slow. We move at, at such a pace that we can easily miss out on the moments and even miracles that God has for us each and every day. And some of us move at such a pace, some of us move at such a pace that it can make us sick. Physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. And if we were to stop right now and reflect on your walk, What word comes to mind? What word comes to mind? Maybe think back to the week you just had or even just your morning, even just getting to church this morning. What word comes to mind? Hurried, steady, peaceful, slow, rushed, full on, speedy Gonzalez. What word comes to mind? 
That's what I've been convicted of in this season. Just in the last month, I've been convicted of this. Lord, help me walk at a pace you did. Help me not be in a hurry. Help me slow down every day and to be still and know that you are God, you are King. And if we're disciples of Jesus, that means we learn His ways. And because we wanna be a reflection of Jesus to the people around we don't, don't we? Is that your heart? It's my heart. I hope it's your heart. If you watch the Chosen series, Jesus wasn't running around like the average person on that video. That wasn't what Jesus looked like on the Chosen series. No, you saw Him walking with authority and power and peace and joy and a sense of calmness as He led others. I wanna take us to two passages this this morning where we can learn from Jesus about the way He walked. And the first one, the first event I want to take us to is in John, in John chapter 11. You might know this story, verse one. I wanna read it to you, it's up on the screen. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. The first key this morning that I wanna give you and take away from this passage is Jesus wasn't in a rush. Let's just for a moment picture what went on here. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus and Jesus just got the message that he is sick. And look what he does. He stays where he was for another two whole days. He's not exactly in a mad rush to get back to him. He waited. He made no immediate move. And the message of the sisters was a plea for help. Even though they didn't ask him to do anything specific, it is even written, you know, it's not even written what Jesus was doing. I'd love to know, right? What was he doing in those two days while he stayed there? Did he wrestle with the thoughts like, do I go now? Don't I go now? Should I go now? Will I be too late? Because these are all the thoughts that we can wrestle with. What we do see here though, and I believe what John the writer of of this gospel wants us to know, is that Jesus wasn't moved by external forces, but solely by His determination to do the will of God. And you can read another event where Jesus' brothers told Him to leave Galilee 
and to go to Judea so that His disciples there could see the works He does. And Jesus refused to go. He refused to go. And He stayed there and He said, any time for you will do, but for me, my time is not yet here. And He stayed, refusing to go up to the festival. He was making it clear that what He did, He did in God's time and according to God's will, not being coerced even by His dearest friends. Jesus wasn't in a rush but walked in step. He walked in step with what his father was doing. And we we read about this in John chapter five, verse 19. It says, he describes his walk to the Jewish leaders when they were persecuting him. He said, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Now I want to take you to Mark chapter 5 for the second key for how we can learn from Jesus and how He walked. Let's read this together. When Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of a lake, a large crowd gathered around Him while He was, on, while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at His feet He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she can, she'll be healed and lived. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him and a a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, His disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at His feet and trembling with fear, told Him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The second key I wanna share with you and pull out of this passage today was Jesus was attentive to those around Him. Jesus was attentive to those around Him. So so we read in this event that He got word that a little girl was dying. That's huge. That is a massive prayer request. The father came, pleaded with Him, begged him to come to lay his hands on him so she can be healed and he starts to go with him. But we just read what happens on the way. A huge group of people come around him and he gets interrupted on his mission by a lady who'd been bleeding for 12 years and he stops. He stops and he ministers to her. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if a father came up to me and said those words, and I was going along and back with him to that little girl, I would wanna be getting there quick smart. And if you pass me on the way to say hi or to ask a question, I don't know how much time really I'd have for some conversation. Jesus didn't seek this one out, but stopped for the person and spoke to her and confirmed she had been healed and freed from her suffering. He ministered to her. He didn't need hours, just a divine moment to speak to her and it was probably less than five minutes. And he didn't rush out of that opportunity, passing it by because he was in a rush. He, he was attentive to those around him. He wanted to know, he wanted to know who touched my clothes. He stopped and was asking that question. He could have been moving so fast in such a hurry not to be even bothered stopping and asking that question. How much, how much do we miss? <laughs> how much do we miss when we rush through life? We can easily miss opportunities to connect with others, even strangers. We could miss seeing God at work. We could miss opportunities for precious memories to be made in families, around the dining room table. We could miss out on opportunities to share the love of Jesus. Do we have margin in our day to be attentive to those around us? Even the unexpected times like this lady and Jesus. Just a couple of weeks ago, um, the Lord has been leading me to um, the lakes, to sit beside the lakes and paint. <laughs> and um, He does this because He knows I, I, I can sit <laughs> and, he, and I have to sit while I paint and it's a way to help me be still and know He's God. Um, so just a few weeks ago, uh, he, one Saturday morning, I, I walked to the lakes and I was sitting there and I'd been sitting at the lakes painting for about an hour and, um, and it was a beautiful morning. And I just happened to look up and these two Asian ladies, um, young ad kind of age, were walking in the distance coming towards me and they were walking along the path. And, and I was just curious and I had my worship music in and I just pulled my ears out, pulled, pulled me, that sounds funny, pulled my earphones out just so I could maybe eavesdrop just to see what language they were speaking. <laughs> and, um, and as they came closer, I could start hearing them better. And they came quite close and I took them out and um, jackpot, it was Japanese. And my heart just leapt. And um, I didn't even have time to think. My heart just leapt. And I raced up behind them and I yelled out, Sumasen, Nihonjin desu Which means, excuse me, are you guys Japanese? Because I just want to make sure, because I have done this before and it epically fails and they're Chinese. And, um, and, and the Chinese lady turned around and was like, ni hao. And I'm like, oh, okay. How do I get out of this? Google Translator is great. We just use that for that conversation. But these ones turned back and um, they turned around and they just was like, eh? 
which basically means, what, what the heck, you can speak English? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it, they were so surprised. And they turned around, they're like, eh? And I was like, so we just caught up, we just had a conversation and I was just speaking Japanese to them and they were like, I cannot believe you can speak Japanese. And so I called them over to my hut where I was painting. And we just had this epic conversation and it was for about 30 minutes, just back and forth. I'm very rusty with my Japanese, but um, back and forth, English, Japanese, English, Japanese, English, Japanese. And our all three hearts, there was three of us, all of our hearts were just bursting at the seams. We were just so happy. We all had smiles on our faces and it was about half an hour. And in that conversation, my heart was bursting. I said, guys, um, obviously in Japanese, but I was like, guys, you got to come home and meet my husband and my children. Like, I, I need you to come home and meet my whole family. And, um, and I'm like, do you have any time now? I've got some time. Do you have any time now? So they're looking at each other and like, they're like, yeah, that would be awesome. Okay. And I said, I'm a safe person. I'm a safe person. <laughs> like, because you hear of these stories, don't you? We're all across the world with backpacks. And I'm a safe person. You can come with me. But I really want you to meet my husband, Mark, and my children. So please come. And they said, yes. And man, my heart leapt. I said, it's about a 20 minute walk, but we can walk back to my home. So we were walking back to my home. And during that walk, I rang the hubby because it was a Saturday morning. So, you know, with children, you can go here, there and everywhere. And um, I rang the hubby and I said, Mark, are you home? Are you still home? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why? And I was like, I've got a surprise for you. <laughs> That's it. That's all I told him. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very spontaneous and Mark is too. So that's a good mix. <laughs> um, but I said, I've got a surprise for you. That's all I said to him, then I hung up. And so we're walking home and the ladies were like, have you told your husband like we're coming? I'm like, no, it's a surprise. It's gonna be a great surprise. Are you sure it'll be okay? It'll be fine. Um, so then we come home and when my husband got off the phone, he told me later, he said, I had two thoughts. I thought, you've, even, you've, you've met someone that you haven't seen for a while and you're inviting them home. Or she's met some Japanese people. <laughs> Oh, he knows me so well. Oh. So we're walking and we get to my door and we're on the doorstep, the three of us. And the two Japanese girls are like, are you sure he's gonna be okay? It's Mark, he'll be fine. I ring the doorbell and the three of us are on the doorstep and I ring the doorbell and Mark just opens up so graciously, he just opens up and he's just like, yapari na, konnichiwa, hajimashite, dozo. And they come in and they're like, he can speak Japanese? I'm like, yes. So they come into our house and praise the Lord, I had food that day. So I had food, <laughs> I had food in the fridge and Mark can make coffee and Mark's just whipping him up some coffee and I just make this very bad platter, like really bad. But I get some food and we sit out the back and we're just sharing more with them, sharing more stories. And they just kept on saying, shiawase, shiawase, which means happy. And they're just like, we're so happy, we're so happy. And they're beaming. We, we got to show them around our home and, and um, meet one of our child. The other children was a part-time job, but we just had a beautiful time. So that went for about two and a half hours. <laughs> and then we got talking and I said, 
how much of Brisbane have you seen? Like, how much of Brisbane have you seen? And they're like, we work so hard. We work at the strawberry farm up at Caboolture and we work hard, then we come home and we sleep and there's a whole house of them on Station Road at Burpengary and they're Kore- others are Korean and um, Japanese and we work really hard. We come home, we sleep, we get up, we farm pick, we come home, we sleep, we get up and farm pick. We... That's what we've been doing for three months. And I was like, man, my heart broke. And I was like, have you experienced like anything of Brisbane? Like, they're like, we've been working really hard. <laughs> and so I said, well, what are you doing now? <laughs> there is a place called Sandgate and it's amazing and it's beautiful and there's fish and chips and I just would love to take you guys to experience Sandgate. And they look at each other and they're like, oh my goodness, okay, yes. And so by this time, Mark was like, I'm tapping out. Like, I'm, yep, I'm good. <laughs> you girls go and you make it a girl trip. <clears throat> so then we're in the car and I was driving down from here to Sandgate and I'm sharing my testimony. I'm sharing Mark's testimony. I'm just sharing so much with them. They're asking questions. It was amazing. We got to Sandgate. I helped them order fish and chips. They'd never had fish and chips before. It was a beautiful day and we sat on a picnic rug and um, just getting to know each other more and realising how rusty my Japanese is. (laughs) But we got to speak and we got to share with them. And man, my heart was leaving. And then we drove back up and, you know, I did have thoughts when we left. I said, and then they can come for dinner. And Mark's like, just see how you go, babe. (laughs) He knows me well. But as I was driving back, I thought, okay, I'm at my limit. My capacity's done for the day. But I was driving back, I just said, you need to just come back to my home. And so they came and they grabbed their bags and we were saying goodbye. And, and then the Lord impressed on my heart. He said, you may never get to see these two girls again. Get, bless them more, give them more, give them more. And I, and I went over to my library and I grabbed two Bibles and... Um, and I, grabbed, and I gave them two Bibles and I said, at the front of these Bibles are very short testimonies. They're very short um, stories and you can practice your English and just practice, these, practice your English using these. And I just wanna bless you with two Bibles. And they hugged those books and they said, thank you so much. Man, that will be an afternoon that I will never forget. And I want more of that. I don't want to be having a story like that once a year. I want, the, I want those stories all the time, all the time. And I'm so thankful to God that I just happened to look up. And you know what the really cool thing was about that story? Was they were walking on that path they had never been for a walk before. And there was three Japanese in that home and they did the invite, who wants to come for a walk? One Japanese girl said no. And all afternoon they said, man, she's missed out. That's what they were saying. She's missed out. She's at home. She didn't say yes. But as they were, as they were walking along that path, they were looking at all the Narangba homes near the lakes. And you know what they said to each other? They were talking and they said, 
imagine if we could just go and visit inside one of those homes. Like, how cool would that be? And then they said, a minute later, this crazy woman (laughs) came up behind them, speaking Japanese. Like, that just blows my mind. And it's really convicted me. And in the last four weeks, I feel like the Lord has delivered me. from running around like a headless chook. Because I don't want to run like that anymore. And even if I had to write this sermon for just for me, that's fine. But I don't want to go back to the way I used to hurry and walk and cram so much in. Because I just want to be more available to the Lord because I want more stories like that. And he has. I got two more amazing stories in restaurants. And I just want more of them. I want to be, I want to have that space, that margin. That when if I get interrupted, it might just be a God encounter for someone. And I'm so thankful to God that that I didn't have a Saturday where it was all crammed up that I didn't have a Saturday where I was running around doing this, that and everything. And, and he called me out just to come and be still with him. But obviously he had other plans. And I'm thankful to God that somewhere there is two Bibles sitting in people's homes that they might be able to use. And, and one day there may be salvation but I'm so pleased and so thankful to the Lord that I had space that day to be available to God for Him to use me in a a way that would bless my heart and those peeps' hearts as well. Lord, help us create space in our schedules, in our working week, so we can experience more of that and be attentive to those around us. Because some of the best moments in life are interruptions in our schedules. And when we are in a hurry, when we cram so much in, when we're flying from one thing to another, we miss out on those spontaneous moments, don't we? The solution to an over-busy life is not more time. It's to slow down and simplify and centre our lives around what really matters for you. So I want to ask you the, the questions that the Lord asked me in the last month. What people or commitments matter to you? What is high 
on your priority list? What new boundaries do you have to create? What things have crept in? Do you practice Sabbath? Yes, it's a whole day, every week. I'll just say that again. It's a whole day, every week as a gift. It is a beautiful gift. I look forward to it every week. There for the taking, to rest and to delight your soul, to delight your soul, to do or to refresh your soul how you, want, how you enjoy that. Are you overloaded in some areas? Have you overcommitted yourself? And I encourage you to take some time and write the things you do or you're committed with and what matters to you and make sure that there is margin. Margin is the space between our load and our limits because we all have capacity limits. We are all different with the size of them, but we all have them. We all have them. And if you have no margin, you are less attentive, you'll be stressed, overloaded and not the healthiest version of you. The final key um, this morning is Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. The lady who was healed from her suffering when she reached out and, and touched his cloak had heard about Jesus. She had heard about Jesus. She thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And she took a step of faith. And she had heard about this Jesus and she put herself in his way. John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we can run and we can hurry in many different directions in this world, seeking peace and seeking validation, seeking healing, seeking approval. But there is only one way to the Father where we can find all we need in Him. There is a way. Mark and I just met a, a, um, a guy this week and he, uh, five years ago, he was living on the streets at Brunswick Street in the valley, uh, addicted to drugs. And a guy uh, met him there in the gutter and um, brought him back home to a house where um, this group of Christian guys were meeting. And the leader of that home, the owner and the leader of that meeting, as soon as they brought him through his doors in his home, the leader uh, looked him in the eye and he said, there's a way out. There's a way out for you. And that man was set free. And um, that was just five years ago and I just met him and he is on fire for the Lord and now ministering to people in the, on the streets and for drug and alcohol. Five years. Because a man looked at him in the face and said, there's a way out. There's a way out for you. And you might be listening today and you might be in all sorts of bondage. And my, my word to you is the same. There is a way out. And his name's Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus is the way. Jesus lived and walked on this earth to show us the way. We hear a lot about Jesus' truth and life, but He's the way. He is the way. And to walk with Jesus means we walk differently in this world. That is what I've been convicted of very, very strongly. We walk differently to this, to this world. We are set apart. We are set apart for His kingdom purposes. We follow His way. We're His apprentice. So that means we're watching our teachers every move, how He walks, talks and interacts. And His way is narrow as His Word says in Matthew. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Many enter through that gate. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Eugene Peterson says this, only when the Jesus way is organically joined with the Jesus truth do we get the Jesus life. So let me um, just finish up this morning from the message translation in Matthew. And these are his words himself. Jesus says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And this is my prayer for us today. This is the journey that He's been taking on the last month. That this week you can stop and really reflect. Like I mean really reflect on the pace of your life. And sit down and just be with Jesus for a couple of hours and really reflect of what's on your plate. To implement boundaries where there hasn't been any. To hurry less. And learn to linger over the people and the things you love more. To be attentive to those around you. And for some of us here today, maybe you might enjoy your very first Sabbath. To be aware when you are rushing. To catch yourself. And to slow down and breathe. And ask for God's help to walk with Him each and every day. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.